I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 4 of All Brother a podcast about Salford slash Manchester's legendary musical institution, The Fall. As you know by now, each week we invite along a guest to chat about their experiences and memories of the group. You can find us at Spotify, Apple and all the usual suspects, but we're hosted at play.icast.com forward slash s forward slash old brother. All episodes are also available on YouTube. You can search for Old Brother Podcast and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. This week we're joined by the wonderful Mr Danny Kelly, who clearly needs no introduction from me, although as you'll hear in a minute, I did attempt one in real time. As you'll also know down here, this was a real joy for me and Steve, so I hope you enjoy it as much. Cheers. Hello, here we are, the latest episode of Old Brother, with me, me Paul Hanley, and my esteemed colleague and older sibling. I must, uh, you know... Hello. <laughs> Hello, how are you? All right? I'm okay, yeah, that's a great introduction. Thank you very much, thank you. <laughs> and I was going to say... I made a point. I wasn't going to say I was delighted because every every time we start one of these, I'm delighted to welcome right. my. But I, I am genuinely delighted every yeah, time. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. On, on that note, I'm delighted to welcome uh, the writer, broadcaster, award-winning editor, and lately Kilkenny resident, <laughs> the inestimable Mr. Danny Kelly. Good morning, Danny. How are you? Good I'm morning. really good. How about you? It's all good. Yeah. And um, yes, good. Thank you. I don't know how you respond to this, but. Um, uh, how often do people say to you they're slightly starstruck? I'm slightly starstruck to be with the rhythm section of the fall. I really am. Not as often as you may. Well, you've said it twice now, Danny. Yeah. So that's twice. Uh, yes. That's what, okay. Well, uh, well, there you are. I, I, I've, I've met and worked with a lot of incredibly famous musicians and sports people and stuff. I'm very lucky to make my living in the two things that interest me most in the world. Um, but, but guys, you're in the fall. That's all I'm saying to that. <laughs> 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 that that and two pound fifty will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's uh, obviously there's been inflation since the day that Mark Smith sent uh, my friend and work colleague Danny Baker the ten p to thank him for uh, uh, helping out with the fall over the years. 
I don't think it was yeah. over generous even then, do you, Tempe? No. Uh, how can we put this for that? We have to try and get through this podcast without being too rude about Mark E. Smith. Um, uh, parting in from Doe, not one of the easier things to do, am I right? <laughs> um, well, well I, I make it a rule never to say anything polite about anybody on this podcast. Good, well, good. But, but I shall pro- I'm sure I will be proven a liar by the, in the next hour or so. But, um, well... Mm. You may you may say so. I couldn't possibly comment. How can I put right. that? Good. Good. Right. So, moving Does swiftly your on. Path, paths cross a lot over the years? Um, uh, yes and no. I was one of those per- people who um, tried to befriend musicians when I was, you know, first a journalist and then editor of the NME. One of my uh, advice to always to the younger writers was don't become friends with musicians. Because, um, of course, the first thing they did, they'd go and do a live review and then it'd be backstage. And then the next thing you know, they'd be going for a drink in London or somewhere um, with these pop stars and rock stars and indie musicians. And I'd say, so I said, don't become friends with them because my experience is that um, friendships with musicians can be very, very shallow um, insofar as as long as you like their new record, um, then you're okay. The second <laughs> you new record, you're out of there. And I, yeah, yeah. and I saw it happen again and again and again to kids. I was a bit older than them by the time I became the editor. Um, to, to kids who genuinely were—they were proper drinking buddies with the with, with, the, with the musicians. And then there come the moment when album number three was no good, and if you, if you said it, um, you know, the, you you just get shunned. I understand. All, yeah, all up. there's a bit of a conflict of interest. Well, I, suppose, I, I was going to say, yeah. Do you not? A lot of the time, you you find it impossible to not like the record because your kind of affection for people overrides um, critical, any critical rules. faculty. You know? <laughs> well, yes, yes, there are people for who for whom uh, you know. Uh, I have got, um, you know, I, 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 of course, I can. I, I use Spotify as, as well as the next man, but I have got a massive physical music collection, I mean, probably monstrous amount of records. Um, and I realize there are partly that because I've got an addictive personality and I may be also compensating for some other emotional hole in my life. Um, but but um, I, I just have, I, I get, I'm amazingly fond of musicians and I let them off, personally, this is me personally, I let them off with an awful lot of stuff um, because Despite my real devotion to music, I love it as an art form and as a, tri- a tributary to other art forms as well. I personally, and I own a pretty nice guitar and a drum kit, and I can't even tap along in time to the records that I love. I've got no musical talent at all or none that's been brought out of me up to, up to date. So I have a propensity to be very, very easygoing with musicians. But I have to say, um, when I was writing about music, music professionally, um, I, I really did try to review the records uh, with a realistic eye for a simple reason. It's all, and this is going to, I mean, this makes me sound like I'm virtue signaling. I was getting paid to do it. Other people had to go to a record shop and hand over their hard earned cash for mm-hmm. this record. And they need to know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And you may be in love with Guns N' Roses or uh, Augustus Pablo, whoever it is, um, but you need to know whether the record's any good or not because, you know, these people have got to pay real money for it. 
And I'm sorry to reduce I know it. You, to that. I know you speak without, you know, without fear or favour, and I can I can prove that because I've just reread your review of the Friends experiment. So there you go. Yeah, I, 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 which, which I, 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 I mean, I, the passage of time. The passage I said it was a mess. Um, <laughs> the, the, the passage of time has made me a little bit more. Um, uh, Ease towards it, but you know, yeah, that, that's the only Fall album I think I ever allowed myself to review. Did lots of live reviews, um, but the answer to your question is no. I didn't um, hang out with Mark Smith, um, but I, I will go through the two or three times I did spend some time with him because they were all uh, memorable for different reasons. You know, Eventful, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to say that, uh, and the writing about the Fall, you know, is it, it's hard because so many people are so mad about them. Um, so you only ever got two kind of reviews. I think you'll both agree. Utterly devoted um, acolytes saying, mm-hmm. "Here's some more brilliant fall stuff," or people who'd be deliberately given the the gig or the the record to do um, the music to, to review because they were known not to like the fall or just not want to have like a go. It, yeah. Um, yeah. So you often got, I think, very very um, binary black and white reviews of the fall um, because of the way they were set up. Yeah, but I mean, one of the beauties of the fall. Mm-hmm. In terms of writing about it, is if you go and see most, well, certainly these days, if you go and see gig three of a tour and then go and see gig 38 of a tour, they're pretty much exactly the same. Whereas the fall, it was, I mean, I know it's a clip, maybe a cliche, but they were kind of different every night. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and I think you both admit not necessarily different in brilliant ways. Sometimes no. it's just just different. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, look, I mean, some part I, of that I was what, deliberately nosing things up on purpose. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, no, 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 look, um, I, I hear what I, I know exactly what you're saying, and it is, it is that very lack of slickness. I want, I don't, want, I'm not going to say professionalism because that would be wrong. Um, I, I particularly, I, I, you know, yeah. I hear the way you two played over the years, and to pretend that it was, it was in any way ramshackle. Where it's ramshackle, I'm assuming, and I am presuming this. You can confirm it's deliberately ramshackle. Where it's not, it's absolutely tight. Um, but the full. Um, in their records, in their live gigs, in their um, in their presentation, even and to my mind, and this is only this is, you're now hearing yet another person putting your work through the prism of their own experience of it. Um, but to, to my mind, it, it, the, the 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 ramshackleness, and that's to say, not unprofessional, but deliberately the ramshackle nature of the of the progress. Um, and some of it was based around Mark's personality, his inability to deal with drink and stuff like that. Um, uh, is part of the attraction for some reason. And that's why, and this is what I mean about the Friends Experiment. Um, the Friends Experiment, I, I don't think is one of your, be- your, your better albums. Um, and yet, it, actually, uh, I don't know, but, I'd I, say, but yeah. I now judge it, I now judge it in the, in a whole body of work. You know, yeah. Neil Young made trans. Does that make him a terrible musician? No, it doesn't. It was a terrible <laughs> record. That's a different thing. Yeah. Bob Dylan made Knocked Out Loaded. And now there's is something for you. The, oh, atten- yeah. the attention you used to get from the from the music press, um, I, I think it was pretty. You know, you were very very lucky band in that you know, music music journalists by and large love the fall, and that's why the band. One of the reasons, uh, along with things like this podcast, why the fall continues to uh, grow in its influence. Um, but you never went through a spell where you were hated. Um, I remember in the mid '80s. Then I think about the standing of these two people now in the musical community and in the culture. Bob Dylan um, put out his new album, Knocked Out Loaded. Neil Young put out his new uh, album, Landing on Water. 
The NME handed I wasn't I wasn't the review said I was just a, a writer at the stage handed me both records and said can you review those together please and I don't want any more than 200 words <laughs> I was literally supposed to just knock one out so to use an expression yeah. about these two and I remember and I I, I don't I, you know as you'll learn from getting to know me I I don't hate myself very easily I've got a pretty strong ego um, but I hate myself now. That review ended. That ended. That review ended. Gentlemen, retire. What a prick! What a puffed-up peacock of a prick I was in, the, in those days. When I was writing about music. I can't. I, what had the temerity to say to Bob Dylan and Neil Young, retire, gentlemen, retire. Oh, hey, you picked two good ones there, didn't you? In terms yeah. of retiring. Oh yes, um, yeah, I know. And uh, I, I suppose I've played Bob Dylan's latest LP, "Rough and Rowdy Ways." I suppose I've played a hundred times in the last twelve months. You know, um, but you know, you can't be right about everything. I would have been very happy if I could have been right about anything at that, at that stage. I'll be honest. <laughs> have you well, seen it? It's, it's quite similar because you, obviously you're looking back on reviews you've done mm-hmm. that you're not happy with, and and. We can look back on some some albums and some parts of albums and think, yeah, we could have done it better at the time. Well, listen, one of the one of the things that's a, such a joy, and they are myriad have been asked to do this, um, was I, uh, you know, since we're talking about reviewing records, as I'd love to know, um, you know, deep in your own hearts, they can't all be the greatest four records ever made because that's the music, that's the that's the the trap that all musicians fall into, believing that the new record is better than the last one. Um, just as a, you know, we know from Paul's book, we all know that everyone loves Hex Induction Hour. But which are the ones which, if you had your time again, you think uh, we could do better than that? E- you know, even within the confines of the fall, not having to be slick or the same all the time. Well, you know, the one that I always say, we've often mentioned it about four million times. So I think it'd be more, yeah. uh, which is um, uh, Room to Live. Room to but, live. Um, but <laughs> yeah. you must have others, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, middle class revolt could have been better. That was a kind of that. Yeah, well, it, it's the same as uh, room to live. Really, they kind of rushed out on the back of. So we had the, the infotainment scam was, which was quite a success. Yeah, and then yeah. middle class revolt was kind of rushed out on the back of it, and the songs weren't fully developed. Could have been better. And so well, yeah, it's well, okay. to live, really, isn't it? Yeah. So what? What? what so this, I mean, there's 14 songs on it. So yeah. Uh, which ones I mean, don't you like? Uh, the fifth for the five hundred dollar bottle of wine. Is that one of your favourites? That's favorites? all right. <laughs> uh, there's too many covers on it for a start. That yeah. War. Well, there's war. Yeah. It's not great. Not the. It's not the uh, <laughs> thingy one, is it? It's no. Not the, uh, Henry Cow. Yeah. Of course it is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's like Edwin Starr's Edwin version. Edwin Starr, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah, so it's not like... Well, it might have been better if it was. No, of course it's not. It's, it's, it's Marky Smith. Of course it's the Henry Cowell <laughs> version of, of War. Of course, with those amazing sleeves, all their albums had a sock on the cover, didn't they? <laughs> Made out of, knitted out of unlikely things, electrical cable, steel wool, etc. Um, before it goes out of my head, and, you know, these days stuff goes in and out of my head mm. with tremendous regularity, um, writing about the fall, which we talked about a little earlier, um, has led to what I think is, and I'm not saying this just to blow smoke because you're both here, um, one of the the real highlights of what I might laughingly call my career. Um, I've done a lot of things, right, mm. in, in music and broadcasting and all the rest of it, including, you know, I, I invented Screamadelica. That's another story for another time. Really? Um, but, we might yeah, get to that. Oh, yeah. You can't leave that hanging oh, in the air, but go on. No, I won't. Because you, you know you know what that's called in, in broadcasting terms? That's called a witch's post, <laughs> <laughs> which which while, while sounding like a full song <laughs> is actually, um, famously, if you do any training at the BBC, I didn't, but I know someone who does do the training. There was a broadcast. They were talking in this is the 1940s, um, and they were talking about an English village, and the guy, the voice goes, and then we pass the uh, – we passed the post office, and then we passed the the local wishing well, and then I went past the supermarket, and then we passed the witch's post on our way to the pub. And no one ever goes back to say, what is the witch's post? <laughs> um, so, yeah. But no, no, Bobby Gillespie will probably have a different memory of this. I remember being at a party um, with at Creation Records, um, it was one of the very first times I ever took ecstasy. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was all going down, shall we say? It was, and it was a very bacchanalian party. It was the one where, and I think this is widely reported in the newspapers time. Guy, Guy Chadwick took off all his clothes and just sat at the bottom of the stairs, um, looking like, uh, well, uh, you looking do. like Gollum, frankly. Um, <laughs> it was, it, yes, it was, it, it was Guy Chadwick out of the House of Love yeah. who was squatting at the bottom of the stairs, bless him. Um, I mean, I don't want to say this, but, and it's it's not not right for um, people as superbly upholstered as myself to say things about people who are very thin and fit looking. But he did look like Gollum. <laughs> anyway, I um, I ended up in a, out on a on a kind of uh, balcony, a fire escape, having a uh, having words with Bobby Gillespie. Um, I loved I loved Primal Scream when they were kind of Buffalo Springfield yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, impersonators. Um, but I was saying, I think you could do so much better. And uh, he was saying. And I, I was wearing a blue shirt. And I remember him distinctly poking me in the chest going, you're wearing a blue shirt in that wide Glasgow accent because you're a Tory. You want me to work harder. And we got into this big thing about the work ethic and all the rest of it. I said, I don't. It's not that. I think you're really madly talented. You could do so much more. Anyway, the next record was Screaming Delica, so I like to take the credit. The <laughs> uh, forcing Bobby Gillespie to find Andy Weatherall to make to what, is, out, uh, yeah. <laughs> what is an astonishing record. Um, listen, let me just say that we, since we, before we stop talking about writing necessarily, um, I've done a lot of things, as I say, including um, being the, the driving force behind Screaming Delica. Of course. Um, of course. But the uh, career high point, and there are many, but really right up there, is when this nation's saving grace came out. Ah. And if you look on the inner bag of this nation's saving grace, which I think, by the way, is my, uh, along with Slates, I would say is probably my favorite fall album. 
if you count Slate as an album. I do. Um, yeah. yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's great. Um, and uh, if you look on the inner bag, the, the review that's in the montage there, in the collage, is mine. Um, it's a review of the fall, I think, when you had the two drummers. And um, where was it? I, I, um, I, I think it was Walthamstow Town Hall. Okay. Do you, do you remember that? Not off the top of my head. I'm just looking it up no. now. Walthamstow. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it might be Walthamstow Town Hall. Um, it, you, you were astonishing that night. <laughs> and the extra drummer had kind of um, turned you into a war machine. Okay. And you played brilliantly, and there was no fecking around, as my dad might have said. Ah. Um, and it was amazing. Anyway, I wrote the review, and there's a few lines there. Was that just that shortly before the album came out? Do you know, I, I, you're, you're really testing I know, me now. Because I, I, well, only because we do have a lot of people who pick up on this stuff. <laughs> I, don't yeah. think it can, I don't think it can be the town hall because mm-hmm. the only fa- reference I can make to the four playing Waltham Town Hall was November 1986. So that was yeah. past and, the two drummer lineup. That was. Yeah, and, okay. and I wasn't right, there, well, I wasn't there I, either, I don't think. Oh, no, they were really. really I'm conflating several things. So there's, there's the review anyway. And believe me, those of you who want to nitpick about the fall, let me tell you how much I think that's not in the spirit of the fall, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Um, I know as much as any man alive about the fall, but I get facts wrong. Oh, so do we. Um, and of course, and as we know, oh, new facts emerge as well. So, uh, you know. Uh, um, the uh, oh, I can do my full stand-up <laughs> shit stick for you now. Um, so that review in which I, I, I mean, I was overwhelmed by the band that night, whichever night it was, and um, I, I, I describe Mark taking his words and ideas and throwing them in a bag of as a bag of offal into the propellers of the music you're all playing, and then it spins off as, as kind of mad word mints and music mints. Uh, why hope is that Mark must have okayed that. And when Mark E. Smith um, is okaying some words that you've written, I have to tell you as somebody who's made their living out of words, that is there is no higher praise. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, really incredibly proud of that thing, just the fact that a few words of mine are in there on the inner bag of, of, the, of the station saving grace. Well, given the career you've got, Danny, that is – Mental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I know. But this is this is because it's an odd thing, isn't it? That the fall, we haven't talked about what it is. That the, there's something about the way this band, and you probably it may be it may be a different colour to you because you're yeah, inside you're in it. it. Yeah. 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 It yeah. has become this kind of badge of a, a kind of knowledge, a kind of hipdom, a kind of semi-outsiderness. Um, in some ways, you know, the the the, the great <coughs> writer and tweeter memorial device oh, always okay. uses always uses Marquee Moon and says, "Oh, you know, some twit comes on in Parliament and says something absolutely preposterous," mm. and he goes, he, "Probably hasn't heard no, Marquee yeah, Moon." Yeah. <laughs> but equally, my plimsoll line is: people who like and don't like the fall. I mean, I completely understand people who don't like the fall because they are a hard band from the outside to get into. Um, unless you ha- happen to catch them in the middle of your bricks top of the pops period, then perhaps you could see how people might got into them. They're a hard band to get into. But even but that, even still- then, it wasn't. It was even. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, no! I'm, I'm not suggesting for one minute you were Brotherhood of Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think you know what I mean. There have been times yeah, when yeah. it's been a bristling, difficult thing to uh, to, to lay your hands on. Um, 
But to me, and it's amazing, isn't it? Every single person that I follow with a passion on Twitter, rather than, you know, outside the football fans who help me make my living, and I'm deeply grateful to them, um, the music fans, the art fans, the culture fans, the, the heads, the heads, comedians, yeah. <laughs> they all like the fall. It's just what is that? An, what it's is an incredible that? thing. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I have no reason to know, but I have, I'm going to do something in, a, in, a, in, the near, in the near future with Ian Rankin, the writer, oh, yeah. who, who I don't know. He's a Twitter chum, and I don't know him, but we're going to spend some days together doing something we're doing in the near future. I am... I can almost guarantee that when I say, do you like the fall, that he will say yes. Yeah, I've got a fact um, about that. that apparently, yeah. apparently he said on something that Rebus was at one of our falls when we played Edinburgh Nightclub. Rebus was like, he wasn't, <laughs> but Rebus was, so I don't remember seeing him. Well, there you go. I mean, it's an odd thing, isn't it? You've become this cultural marker, and it comes up um, in, in, in everyday life all the time. Um, listen, uh, the other night... And I'm sure you're aware of this. It might have been said on the podcast a hundred times. And if it has been, I apologize. And you can edit me out. <laughs> um, uh, because, of, because of several massive rows I had over the years with Anton Corbin, um, I'd never watched um, Control, the film about uh, Ian Curtis. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it came up on the I television. What were the rows about? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> photographs. Can we use them? How much do you want oh, for okay. them? All the usual things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it ended up with my learned friends involved at one stage because – um, uh, Anton is entitled to his copyright, and I think the NME, when I was insane when I was editing it, I thought it can rough, I will ride roughshod over everybody's feelings and the law of the land because the magazine must have what it has. Um, I was right. Sorry, I was wrong. He was right. Uh, these are not, <laughs> these are not words you'll hear often. It's turning into your, a therapy session for you. This this is, is, is. Oh, this is, how, this is how my life has been. It's been a, a roller coaster, a roller coaster. Um, now I've even forgotten what, what I was trying to get control. to. Oh, yeah. uh, before you go yeah. on to control, and before yeah. I get to say it, that gig you reviewed was the Lyceum yeah. on the 30th of October, 1984. No. Yeah. And I left three days later, so there you go. So it was two well, drummers. Uh, now, I, now you're taking me back to the Lyceum. Yes, now I can Now I can remember where I was stood. Um, I mean, obviously, I've seen the band a lot of times. Um, I've only once been insulted from the stage by the lead singer. We'll come on to that. Um <laughs> And and yeah, yeah okay. now, you know, I, I I was yeah you, you, I got away like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um and so I'm watching Control and um there's a moment I'm sure you've seen it I'm, uh, there was a moment but I'm doing this for the listeners uh, there, there was a moment where Ian has a terrible epileptic fit on the stage and he's in terrible physical mm. shape and they drag him to the dressing room and he's he's lying there on a bunk on a banquette or a bench or something and he's shaking and shivering and he's really in a bad shape. And the actor who's playing Rob Gretton, New Orleans manager, comes in and taps him on the shoulder and goes, could be worse. You could be the lead singer in the fall. <laughs> yeah. You've seen this. And seen then, it, yeah. no, no, it comes up all the time. Uh, Bits and pieces. I believe that was an in-joke, was it not? Because be. I mean, I wouldn't have put it past Rob Gretton saying it, would you? No, but didn't he? Didn't that guy... Who played in Curtis? Play Mark in Twenty Four Hours in the outtakes of Twenty Four Hours. That's right. Ah, yeah, that's yes, right. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. that is really good. Then, isn't yeah. it? Now, see, I'm learning something new. That's yeah. very, very good indeed. Um, and you know, there was a piece, there was a thing going around on Twitter the other day um, about how the fall is still in the waft and weave everyday life. And somebody said, "What phrases from the fall yeah, lyrics do you that. use?" 
Yeah, incredible. And I, I it, 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 look, I'm sat here now at the rig I use for broadcasting, you know, the radio. And um, although I have, I can see four screens in front of me. It's a little studio, I guess you'd call it if you were really puffed up. Um, but I still have the habit of writing down. If someone's talking to me on air. I, t- I tend to write down on a piece of uh, a paper about, uh, from a school exercise book. Um, my next thought, you know, because often you you forget them in in the in what is a slightly different form of conversation to sending it talking to somebody, and so each show, my wife keeps me supplied with old fashioned school copy books. This one in front of is called eighty eight page exercise copy A eleven, and it has space on a cover. Uh, for you to write your name and class and subject. Um, and, and as I, t- I start each broadcast and the red light's coming on, I open it up to get ready for the show. And so I always go, notebooks out, plagiarists. <laughs> you know, so yeah. everybody has a different way in which the, the, the band, um, part of this is to do with its longevity and part of it, I suspect, to do with how, how un, you know, how not in your face like a, a a sort of successful rock group they are, but how deeply people care about them, and the internet, of course, and we're doing this on an on an internet connection. The internet has been a tremendous, um, you know, it's been a shot of blood, a blood transfusion for the four. Well, yeah, it has yeah, it's allowed a lot of people to connect with each other, hasn't it? And, exactly. Yeah, and- um, when I when I first resisted Twitter, um, and Danny Baker, I say it's my chum was on there um, and he was begging me to go on it. And he and I said, I'm not going to do it. Why would I want people to know where I am? Blah, 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 blah. And of course, I'm on it 20 hours a day now. <laughs> um, until, until Elon tells me otherwise. Yeah. Um, but uh, you got your eventually, <laughs> the argument that won, won me over was when he said to me, he said, Danny, you know all those shockingly shit 70s bands you like? I say, yeah. He said, well, the four other people who like them are all on Twitter. <laughs> Bang. And the, the the doors of perception opened, swung open, were kicked open for me. Yeah. My God, I can talk to people about the sharks, uh, and I and I have no. done. Trust me, I have done. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a thing. That I think you you've said that in your book, Steve, didn't you? That it kind of opened your eyes to the four fans that were out there. Really, well, it did when it first came in. Yeah. Well, obviously, the main perception of of with Mark doing. All the interviews and doing all the press was that it was all about him. But then, yep. when the internet started and he started having a look, and people were saying, "Oh, the you know the guitarist was great that night, the bass player was great, whatever," and it kind of it made you realise what you know, the actual people who listen to him think. Yeah. I mean, I, I presume I presume you're both deeply annoyed by the my granny on bongos thing. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's been your life's work in some cases, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, he he was so, – I mean, you 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 spent all your time with him. You know him personally and all that. But his public persona, the, the shtick that he threw out towards us, was so amazing um, that, of course, he came to dominate the people's view of the band. But I think – and I, I've got to be careful how I tread here um, – there is a, a sort of golden period, um, and I know it's fashionable to say, ah, but what about this later album? Love them all in their different ways, like them all in different ways, dislike them all in the ways I whatever I do. There is a golden period, isn't there, where essentially um, you two and he and whoever was playing guitar, his granny, um, <laughs> were, were blatting out these records. And I, 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 yeah. I, I don't, I don't apologise for saying live and on on vinyl. 
um, CD, whatever it was at the time, um, DAT. Um, <laughs> it, it, there was there was a golden period, and it's and it would be wrong for him ever. Um, you know, it was fine well, for it, being. It, it uh, is hard to it, beat that run of albums that we made, Paul, with, with Mark Riley as well. And well, Dave. I mean, I don't think I think it precede, uh, preceded me and went on after me that run of albums. So it was. Mm. I mean, I'm not making any bones to say that I was a you know essential part because I mean I think Dragnet's great, and I think This Nation Savings Grace are both great, and I'm not I'm not on either of those. But I think that was a kind of a period. But yeah. then I would say that the last ten year period when he had that yeah. stable lineup with Kieran and Pete. Uh, I think that that's a great period as well. In different ways, I think. I mean, uh, yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, that 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 he, he, for all the and I take some some small measure of blame um, for the, the the revolving door narrative around the fall because um, when I left Enemy and became editor of Q, of course we were going to do the fall for whatever reason here. Come we do Mark Smith, um, and I set aside. Far more pages in the magazine than would normally be afforded a band of the full standing, mm-hmm. at least commercial standing. Um, and someone I can't remember who it was went off and did the interview, and it all became him and Mark, or he, her and Mark, probably him and Mark. Let's be truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, blatting away about the people who why had X left, why had Y left, and all. And if you remember the headline, I mean, it's it like fourteen pages long the piece, <laughs> but it was headlined. He walked, she walked, they walked. Yeah. Um, as Mark justified the dismissal of one musician after another. Um, so I mean, I, I, it, it's too easy to get into that thing about the, um, the the amount of musicians. And I love the book, The Fallen, by the way. I think it's great, great fun reading it. But the truth of the matter is, um, when he had a, a more stable band around him, he tended to make better music. Better records, because yeah. you're right. Yeah. The last the last 10 years, the records, um, as well as returning to a kind of if I might be so bold here, and you can correct me, returning to a kind of amped-up rockabilly, yeah. uh, to, to, to use a shorthand, um, rather than tricking about with electronics and things, none of which I've got any problem with, by the way, um, he, 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 there was a, a, a basis, a platform for him and his idiosyncrasies and his eccentricities and his genius to be put into a proper relief. In exactly the same way, that classic run that you're talking about uh, there, Steve, um, and Paul as well, you know, where he had stability behind him, he shone ever brighter. Now, he probably w- wouldn't have noticed that or recognised it or certainly wouldn't want to have admitted it. No. That's the truth of well, it. Well, that is true. That's the truth yeah. of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, because uh, 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 I don't know how long this podcast is going to last. I must tell you about a couple of times I met him. Is that okay? Yeah, is. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the times I realised just how different he thinks to – say myself. I flatter myself. I like to think I love language and I'm interested in music, but I wasn't on the same kind of, I'm not on the same kind of missions as he is. Um, you know, for instance, you can't see because we're saving bandwidth. I'm recording this in the corner of one of my rooms and behind me is a whole cabinet full of books of poetry. I'm really mad about people who can manipulate the English language. So Mark, of course, becomes one of my heroes. So we're doing this thing at the NME where Mark's coming to do the singles, which is a process that in those days involved sitting in, in and I said, I'll do that because I wanted to you know, talk to him. Um, we'll do the singles this week. Um, and what it was, you played the 45 on a, a turntable and Mark would make his comments and we'd been doing it for 20 or 30 minutes and, you know, he'd been funny and irascible, all the words that get associated with him. And I started to play the new record by System 7. And it was kind of 
wigged out guitar playing over the then fashionable dance beats. And I really liked it a lot. And he said to me, and I won't, I'm not going to attempt in your presence, the Mancunian <laughs> accent. Um, he said to me, but this sounds like Steve Hillage. And I said, because of course that's to him, the ultimate hippie yeah. thing is gong, who I adore by the way. Um, he said, this sounds like Steve Hillage. So I said, Actually, it is Steve Hillage. <laughs> and you know what Mark said? And this is so profound. He said, he said, then I have failed. <laughs> Brilliant. I thought, I, I, I don't want to swear. I thought, fuck's sake, Mark. You're, you're, all this work, all this noise, all these interviews, all these gigs, is to wipe a few hippies off the planet. <laughs> now, of course, that was what he was saying at that moment, in that space, and for whatever effect he was hoping to get. But I, it's, it's chilling me to my core. <laughs> but then I have failed. And he said it quietly. He meant it. I mean, absolutely brilliant. That I is mean, brilliant, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is about that important. is he'll probably be having a bit of a dig at um, – Grant, because Grant worked with Steve Village. Grant Showbiz. Oh, I, I, I dare say, uh, of course, one can never understand the the intense web of personal animosities, small gripes, and boycotts that he might have been trying to reflect at any given time yeah. in any conversation. Uh, another time I met him, um, I, I, I I suppose this might be the only full record that you probably didn't play on either of you. Um, I went. Oh, I there's went a lot of them. Posh, <laughs> no, no, but this is I, this is a very particular example. I think you'll agree. Um, I went to um, a very posh London hotel to meet him because we were putting together the charity record, the NMA, putting together the charity record um, for Sergeant Pepper knew my father, yeah. in which we'd asked some you know good bands of the day to play track by track. They were, they were all tra- now the four were first choice because of course they were everyone's favourite band, and so I said I'll go to I'll, I'll meet Mark and we'll decide what he's going to do, and I think. Um, if I remember rightly, was it um, a day in the life or she's leaving home? I can't remember day which one life, you chose yeah. to do. Yeah. Day in the life, right. So we'll come back to what you did with that record. Um, and um, so we meet in a very posh London hotel. It was absolutely the steel middle of, of, of bleak midwinter. And we were sat by a huge blazing fire. And I mean enormous. It was one of those fireplaces they put in to look impressive in hotels. It was perhaps five feet high. It was absolutely full of coal that was in full effect. It was it was glowing white. Bear that in mind. And we sat there. I'm roasting. He's sat there smoking very happily. There's days when you can smoke indoors and all the rest of it. And um, a young female journalist came uh, tottering over to the two of us. And I can say her name now. And Mark won't mind because he was this. Is, he's gone now. But um, it was Caitlin Moran. You know, very you know, now yeah. one of our best and most brilliant writers. Yeah. It was Caitlin, and she was new on the Melody Maker. And she came over and said, "Excuse me, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, um, but um, I'm here to do the interview with you now." Caitlin, at that stage in her life, was not rail thin, nor was I. Um, she was a proper young womanly shape, and Mark, of course, was as always looking, you know, like a pipe cleaner had gone on the Atkins diet. Um, and and um, he said, "Don't worry, love." Um, well, I will do his accent. Here. He said, "Don't, well, don't worry, love. I'll look after you in that interview. You'll be fine. I've done more of these than you've had hot dinners, which I think, in your case, might be saying something." He said, oh my God! He, he said to her, "Right, you rude, rude bastard." Let's be honest. That was just downright rude. Yeah. And I could put my hand up and say, "Don't mind. He'll be, he'll be fine." But 
we had the last laugh because so pleased with himself. He was absolutely delighted with himself with this piece of rudeness to someone he never met before. He flipped another cigarette out of the packet. I'm sure you can see the motion of him doing it, yes. can't you? And put it to his lips and again showing off to a, a young a young woman and a young journalist he leaned forward into the into the, the, the sheer face of the white hot coals <laughs> and lit the fag lit the fag on it sat back in his chair delighted with himself me and Kate looked at each other both his eyebrows were on fire <laughs> <laughs> the silly fool had set fire to his face in- instant karma <laughs> oh, just too good. Yeah, I, I mean, just too good. See, um, well, that's the thing I always think about, Mark. But, you know, you said he's a genius and interviewing was 100% he viewed that as part of his job as as, a, as an artist, that he, he wasn't going to come along and shuffle along and sort of say, yeah, I'm having a nice time. And all. He, he made what he said in an interview important. But, yeah. but the ability to do that, the ability to not care what people think and the ability oh. to be rude like that, I mean, it's a, it's something of a double-edged sword for me. It's not something I'd ever want to pursue. No, no. Um, I, I I loved his persona that he put out there. Um, you know, it's it's Marshall Duchamp, isn't yeah. it? I've updated. You don't care, and you'll say something astonishing. Um, I hope I'm not repeating anyone else's other story. Marcel Duchamp, in many ways, the artist, the uh, not surrealist, but he's a, the French artist, is in some ways the inventor of what we now in the Western world call cool. Um, I'm sure Mark was aware of his work, but Duchamp um, reached the peak of his powers on French television one day. Um, he was a middle-aged man who had married um, one of the most beautiful models in France, a slim, tall, gorgeous woman. He sat there on French television, smoking gauloises in a particularly stylish way, and the, the interviewer said to him, we have to ask you this, Marcel. What's it like sleeping with whatever she was called? Forgive me, I can't remember her name. And he said, referring to, I think, to her figure, he said, it is like waking up with a bicycle in the bed. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and this, is, this is Mark, isn't it? The, the idea that you, you're going to say, even the person you love, you're going to say something so rude about yeah. them um, to, to show your distance from the ordinary herd. Um, but I, I don't know, you spent a lot of time with him. How much of that was theatrics? Performative. Uh, I think he's, it, it, like you say, it was a bit of a persona, but that he sort of grew into and just started living. Couldn't get out yeah. of it, really, by the end. Yeah. Uh, and but, just uh, just to, to balance it up um, for the sake of Caitlin, um, <laughs> he was once very rude in public to me as well. Um, I don't know because I haven't played the bootlegs that exist of it, um, John Peel's 50th birthday party, yeah? yes. Were, were you both, or either of you in the band that I day? Was, yeah. 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 So um, I'm down there. Where was it? Subterranean, somewhere like somewhere that. Like that yeah. I, I feel like that, yeah. And um, so the band comes on, the four come on to play for John Peel. Mm. Um, and I'm writing about it and just want to be there as well. Um, and I sort of elbow my way down to the front of the stage because, blimey, the four are going to play. And I hope it's on the recording, so no recordings exist of the evening. Mark catches one look at me, um, and as I say, I, I, uh, you know, ever since I hurt my ankle playing football uh, back in the day, I, I tend to put on a few pounds. Say, oh, you're getting fat, aren't you? Yeah. To the microphone, uh, catching me square in the eye. Um, and you know, uh, at the time you're getting insulted by Mark Smith, I suppose I, I feel honoured now. At the time, I was mortified. I'll be truthful with you because I, you know, mm. as part of me. 
being from the working class parts of London I'm from, which want to say, all right, come down there and yeah, say yeah. that to my face. No, no, it's just it's just be it's just being rude. But um uh, you know, but then again, uh no, he's being rude, but he also wrote container drivers and I didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, but so, it's not, you know, it's not free pass as far as I'm concerned. No, it's not. Don't forgive you. No. Well, you, well you, you two must have had – I mean, the point right. is, though, I'm saying that that's one thing, and I'm kind of glorying in it a little bit, you know, because he even knew who I was. Um, but you two must have had the thick end of that in any not very pleasant ways over the years. Yeah, I'm, uh, there's a couple of times. I mean, I'm not to go into anything, but there's a couple of times when no. I thought that was – you know, he, saw, he talked to me and, and – not that he was a you know an old man, but I was a kid when I joined the fall. I mean, sixteen years yeah, of were, age, a child. Yeah. yeah, I was a ch- yes, child. Yes. Yeah, and you know, and there was sometimes yeah. when he, he made no. I'm not sure. Let, let me wrong. I'd have been more annoyed if he had made uh, allowances for the fact that I was so young, yes. really. But there was a couple of times when, it, when it, I thought, mm. if you think back, and I think, God, that's a bit harsh. I was doing my best, you know. Yeah, and, but we were. But, but, but I've said it. I said it before, and I said it in um, one of the things you had to do as a member of the fall was you had to put up with the fact that he considered you not able to do what he wanted, you know. So you, he'd say, I want this. And part of the part of the process was you do what you thought he wanted. Mm. And some of the yeah. t- it wouldn't be exactly what he wanted. And some of the times, that made, a lot of the time, that made it better, I think. The fact that you couldn't didn't have the skills to realise his exact vision actually made it a better record. Because I think a lot of the time, that would have been completely unlistenable if you'd done exactly what well, he wanted. Do you know, it's interesting you, you say that because I hear you saying that, and of course I've read about his work methods, not least in, in Paul's book. Um, it, it reminds me a bit, and I'm sure it would be one of Mark's heroes, of Captain Beefheart's way of yeah. working yeah. when he was at the peak of his powers, where he would write these ideas he had in his head, he would play them on a piano, an instrument, of course, that he had no skill at, um, and de- and describe in words, which he had a great deal of skill at, um, what he wanted from the musicians. And these great musicians, and they were great jazz musicians in his original Magic Band, would then perform, as you say there, the, to the best of their considerable abilities, perform what they thought he heard in his head. But, of course, as always in any band, and I, I say I've got no musical skill myself, but I know that in the gap between what the writers of the songs think they're going to get and what the musicians provide, um, both good and bad, it often is the moment of genius, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. and, Simple and, as that. And massively different to what you thought, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, look, look, the example, another example, you know, which is still going through the courts in a good way, is David Bowie's Heroes. Eno, uh, who's producing. Um, Heroes, the album in Berlin, knew that they they had a great song, but they couldn't get it. They couldn't get the thing they wanted. Um, and it, I think it was David Bowie who said, um, I don't know, why don't we ring Robert Fripp, um, King Crimson's guitarist. Um, and Robert was then living in New York, I think, and was flown over and plays – Essentially, rearrange the song with that astonishingly fluid, mm-hmm. rising and falling guitar Beautiful line. Guitar, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost yeah. one continuous note. It's the e-bow, man is, e-bow, isn't it? So it's like you know, you're, you're yeah. not plucking, are you? It's uh, he's he. It's it's just incredible. And I know that he and David Bowie's family and Eno's uh, organization are all trying to get the song re-registered as as Bowie Fripp because it's so much it's so important to it. But there's an example where whatever about grannies and bongos, 
Um, and again, I'm not saying this to, to, to butter you two up. You, I'm sure you're perfectly uh, full of full of full of it anyway. Um, the, 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 what 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 bands bring? Sometimes in extraordinary lucky ways. Sometimes through creative tension. Of course, you know, the, the, it's extraordinary. Um, the only the only downside to this, I think, is another band that I absolutely love is the Who. Um, and you hear Pete Townsend's original demos, and I genuinely think they're sometimes better than the band's actual recordings. Yeah. Um, mm. Because I don't, I'm not a great fan of Roger Daltrey's voice, particularly. And, and you know, but Moon and Entrance were eccentric players, and so it sounded great. But often, Pete's rather plaintive versions of the songs is better. But I'm not a fan of I'm Keith sure. Moon's drumming myself personally. I think you're not. I think well, well, I am. You know, I am, and I'm, and I'm not really because. You've got to serve. You've got at some point. You've got to say, "I'm going to serve the song here." Um, and he doesn't. And he, doesn't, doesn't. he never does. No, no, no. Um, and that's why when you hear often, as I say, if you listen to you know, Townsend's managed very cleverly to get all of his demos out on albums, a whole four collections of, of called Scoop. Um, so it's about eight, sixteen sides of music of his demos, and he just drums in a very basic, um, uh, you know. What, there's nothing wrong with basic drumming. It is the, it is the Carrera, centerpiece of all great music. It's the centerpiece of all great music. Um, you're right. Keith Moon is playing a different tune um, throughout, but I, I guess, it, it, but overall, it works. You know. Yeah. Um, anyways, this we were just starting to talk there about the creative chaos um, that sometimes ensues when musicians. But how annoyed did he get with you when did Mark get with you when you couldn't get the noise that was in his head? Well, God, Steve. I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, there was the, the one that the, the instruction I had that was I <laughs> was totally wired was to make it sound like a cardboard box. And the, the, <laughs> thing about, the thing about percussion, if you if you you know you can get dynamics by hitting a cardboard box with your hand that you can't get on a drum kit because it's made to be loud and it's made to make every time you hit it as loud as possible. It's resonating, isn't yeah. it? So, where, yeah. so that was what he wanted. So you end up with towels everywhere, and, and that. So it, it's just impossible. So that's as near as I could get. Totally wired yeah. is, is me trying to sound like mm. a cardboard box. So there you go. Uh, he was always cutting notes out, really, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, there was always too many notes in it for him. With a lot of the bass lines and guitar lines, so he'd just kind of strip it right back. I mean, let me ask it sometimes. Well. You know, sometimes he was yeah. right. Well, I was, yeah, I was going to say, sometimes he appreciated the pushback as well, I think. So if he'd say, I yeah. don't want any drum rolls in this at all, and then you play a song and you think, I'm putting a fucking drum roll in this, and then it would have to be a fantastic drum roll to get in. So then I think you can see the logic in it, can't you? You're, you know, you're not just going to go, you're not going to be Keith Moon. If, if you've been told under no uncertain circumstances not to do a drum roll, if you're going to put a drum roll in, it's going to be it's a pretty... Gonna be right. It's going to be right. <laughs> yeah, you, but yeah you, you, you better make sure it's one of the better drum rolls of recent yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, guys, and now I'm, I'm reversing that what should be the pattern on this podcast. There is no pattern. Um, <laughs> no, quite. Well, good. Um, then we're making a fallout together, which is great. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my pet peeves with musicians is, you know, you go and interview some guy or gal and, um, you'll say your record owes a great deal. I think to Van Morrison, you've obviously been listening to, you don't even have to say, um, you know, one of the obvious ones, you've been obviously been listening to, um, Veden Fleece and they go, Oh really? Do you think so? Cause actually I've never heard Van Morrison. 
And it's absolutely a lie because everybody's heard Van Morrison, right? Um, and they're just lying to you. Um, how much? How much do you think Mark was? Um, Mark Smith was making the records in the golden period that we talked about when the two of you were were, were making the records with him. Um, his, his influences are clear, and he's talked about you know Can um, and yeah. dub music and um, and Beefheart and. And, and, and others, rockabilly. Um, how how much do you think his his? I mean, he would have liked, I suppose, to kick away from his influences to to try and keep as original as he can. How much do you think those those bands that he loved? He clearly loved music, Mark. Mm. How much do you think they actually influenced the making of the records that you were making? It's, that's a difficult one, that isn't it? Because, like you said, yeah, he did. He didn't want to sound. And he, the other thing is, he didn't want to sound like anybody else, and he didn't want anybody to sound like the Fall either. I think. I think they hated that more no. than anything. People who sound, yes. try to sound like the Fall. So he, 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 they definitely are. But, but then, what you've got to remember is, there's not that much of the music had anything to do with it. Only in terms of you, you, you know, not me because I played the drums. Mm-hmm. But Steve and Mark and Craig would present something. Yes, and the only real influence you know the, the, the he had on the music was to say yes to something or no to something he didn't write much really, oh, in terms really? Of no, music. no 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 of course no well, well, well no. I don't, I, I, our songwriting session at work was you'd you'd go along with like three or four ideas and you'd present them to him and he'd pick one of them and then is that right and the rest was never used again Wow. So that, that, um, so, yeah. Could you could you not present one of them again two years later and hope they well, liked we it better? <laughs> yeah. yeah well, we never oh, no. we never really we take it was never like here's a tape. It was you play it for him most yeah. of the time. I mean, there was a one occasion where we we gave him creep on a tape, and well, the story goes whether it's true or not. But he said that's absolute shite and threw it, and it went down the couch in bricks. Found it, but. Um, for <laughs> well, most of the time, it was in the room saying, "This I've got this riff." There wasn't mm. there wasn't much presenting of a tune or a demoing things for him. It was all no fairly uh, ergonomic, where Stephen, Mark, and okay. Craig would sit there in his bedroom or whatever and say, "This is this is the riff." So you, if he didn't uh, that, like it, then you'd uh, probably forgot it by the next time we were writing it. Yeah, and this for someone who's not a musician like myself, this all seems so amazing because uh, you know, and you know, it's not it's not the first time I've heard this, you know, but you always assume that everyone, either one person is writing every single thing and then you give it out to, to you subcontract out the actual play yeah, well, to other sure, people. There is or, like that. You see, or you spend the whole time jamming until you hit something that mm. everyone likes. But, but of course, that's not, you know, Johnny Marr used to turn up with these tunes and say, can you fit some words into that? Mm-hmm. But to Morrissey and all the rest of it, mm. it, it I, I find it fascinating. I must tell you, you mentioned earlier on as well, then I'll let you ask me some more questions, about the cover versions um, I, I, obviously, the, the Falls cover versions, by and large, are um, still very much the Fall. Like you think you could argue, uh, Victoria was um, uh, more faithful to the original. But it, it's it sometimes reflected to me how how right Mark was about music. Because the one that I really wanted to mention here was the cover of Jungle Rock. I don't know if either of you played on that. Yeah, that was my uh, last, yeah. last album. <laughs> Aha. Uh-huh. Um, which one is it? It's on, um, it's on Levitate, is it? It's on Levitate, yeah. yeah. Um, right, here's the, here's the thing. Now, whatever you think about the version of, of uh, Jungle Rock, I happen to like it. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, um, 
There are millions of rockabilly songs you might choose to cover. I mean, from the original outburst of rockabilly. Um, and Hank Mazel's song, because it was a kind of novelty hit in the 70s or 80s, I can't remember when it was dragged out onto the radio, um, had become a kind of... Um, uh, kind of, uh, it's, if you were, if you like rockabilly, people were quite snooty about yeah. it. You know, mm. it's it's no it's no Billy Lee Riley, <laughs> it's no Sonny Burgess, whatever they wanted to say to you. Yeah. And yet, I always thought that is a brilliant song. The way it motors along is a brilliant song. And for Mark, say to choose that rather than something far more obscure. And incidentally, I thought what you did with it, where the repetition of the basic rock and roll riff. Starts after a while, it becomes so repetitive. You've, you've gone into something far more Germanic. I thought mm-hmm. it's just great, but that's what that's what I think about the covers because I know you were saying there were too many on one of the records. Is that they they're always they're quite fascinating covers. They're yeah, not, they're not, they're not, they're not what you'd no, expect. They're, they're not what you'd expect. The, well, there's a couple of them that I, I have very little interest in the Falls cover versions where <laughs> they are just. You know, the, the, well, the ones I'm thinking of really are Ghost in My House and even Victoria yeah. as well. They're, they're not, there's not, there's not a lot of the fall in them, is there? Really? No, those are the ones I was going to say that they were, you know, uh, I don't know if you're under pressure from Beggar's Banquet or whatever. I don't know if pressure was the right they're, word, but yeah, there was no, suggestions. They're pop covers of great songs, aren't yeah. they? Let's be truthful. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. the ultimate fall cover for me and why it was never a thing is uh, lost in music. I, I think that if, if that has got to be. And it's nothing to do with me. I wasn't on it or anything like that, but I just think that oh, is fantastic, man. It is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. And um, it's a great song, but not a song that you might think that the words mean very much because, you know, Edwards and Rogers were making a groove mm-hmm. uh, and, the, and the girls were singing it the way they were singing it and all that sort of thing. But Mark and the band found in it a kind of profundity. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't mean to be pretentious, but there is a profundity about their version. And for Mark to admit, not that he's on top of the music, king of the music, or dismissive music, but to be lost in music yeah. was a real, real full moment for me. Really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's when I think that, that you know, there's, there's something, well, there's got to be a reason for a cover version, hasn't there, really? Other than just yes. we can get a hit with this. There, there, there is an yeah. element of Mark swagging the band off. <laughs> Ah, is there? Is there? Yeah. Is there? Tell us about that. Because uh, he, he did have this – we'd all been in – like me and Craig had been in it like, what, by that time, 10, 15 years. And, yeah, there comes it does come to a point where you think, well, this is me now, this is what I do. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's why he says that your, your money's on the table at the beginning. He mm-hmm. just thinks, that yeah, we're, the band is – Got no options. We're lost in music. Uh, that well, but why? Um, that, but that'd be funny. Why are you any more lost in music than he is? Than he is? I don't know. Uh, well, if he was having a snipe there, mm. and you know, um, uh, what's good about this podcast is it, it's not attempting to paint. Mark is as, as some kind of art saint, which I think is always. Oh, I think if we were going to flag up every time Mark slagged off the band in a song. <laughs> yes, I know, uh, but, but, that, but, but that is that is that is a particularly mean thing to do if if he mentions the thing about music on the uh, sorry the money on the table because he was the very first person. He was almost the first indie star. If I might use that kind of phraseology, you know what shorthand is for. Who actually said this is my job? 
I have to make a living and all the well, rest yeah, of it. So then to turn, yeah. to turn around then, then years I, later and to accuse other people of doing it for a living thing, yeah. <laughs> strikes me as pretty bloody rich, to be honest. <laughs> kind of sums him up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But then, but then you know, it, it, the band is all contradictions. Yeah, it's place it in culture. You shouldn't occupy a place in culture where people are going to download some has some no mark like me talking about the fall to ex members of the fall, um, but the band is a is a whole series of mad contradictions, and I think, I mean, I know John Peel's phrase about all the same, all is different. It was a fantastic uh, attempt to to grasp something that I think is is almost inexplicable. The appeal of the band in the moment and long term is almost beyond explanation, oh, yeah. I think. Dude. You either get it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't – there are other bands, other artists, who I would sit someone down and say, right, this is Bob Dylan, Public Enemy, The Flaming Lips, whoever it is, and I'm going to – if I play you this playlist of five songs, don't do 20 for people. They, they haven't got the yeah. time. <laughs> um, I think I can just explain to you why this is so, so great. Not only do I think it's very hard to do that with a fall, I wouldn't want to do it. Um, the, you, you can't inflict the fall on people because their <laughs> their brilliance, your brilliance, gents, is it's there for the, it's there for those who want it. And a phrase that I think the marketing departments of record companies would not like: it's not for everyone. Yeah. And and nor nor do I hold anybody in less esteem because they don't like the fall. If they oh, say to I'm, me I'm, I'm, that is a tuneless racket, I'd say, well that. Cool, that's all right with me. And there are other bands. I say, no, no, you're missing the point. Yeah, not with the fall. No, What's the point of trying to explain that word to people? If you, you, but I think if you want to be in a band, that's the that's the best band to be in. You don't want to be in someone's third favorite band, do you? You know, <laughs> no. Um, I, I, somebody I, I, I kind of like. Yes, uh, you're, you're definitely in a band that nobody kind of likes. No, that's right. Um, you know. Um, unless I say they came in that in that in that moment when you were having the hits, particularly with the cover versions, and they may have worked backwards to Hex Induction Hour, or they may have hung on forward um, into I don't know Solvent or something, and they will have thought, "Oh, this is perhaps not the band I thought it was." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. I, 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 I just want to, sorry, very briefly. Um, you don't, don't have to be brief. There's no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you may have other things you want to ask me about. I was, I was speaking when we were preparing for this, uh, or swapping phone numbers, I think is the phrase I'm looking for, to Paul. Um, the two drummer version of The Fall, I really, really like. But I like two drum bands. I'm a great fan of the Allman Brothers. Uh, yeah. Um, and, it's, and oddly enough, Dwayne Allman's a genius, obviously, but it's not about the guitars. It's about the way the drummers work. Okay. Um, and I was telling, I was telling um, Paul, Steve, that, uh, recently, well, you know, recently by in an old man's memory, um, I went to see the current incarnation of King Crimson, who have three drummers. Now, not three percussionists, three, three full, full kit, kit oh. acoustic drummers, right? And they are all brilliant, right? And they were playing at, it was the um, the London Palladium. I think we've reached about our hour there, Danny. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I know people say this, but I could yeah. talk to you about the, about the fall or talk to you not about the fall, talk about anything you like for all day. 
So oh, just, right. just yeah, really. people's sanity, we're going to have to call it a day, I think. But, um, <laughs> well, it, it, um, I don't think we need to lie to people. Um, somebody else needs to use my rig now. Um, let me tell you what an honour and a treat it was. And maybe in two years' time, I'll come and tell you the rest of my full Good stories. Okay? Good Good. All right, mate. All right, bless okay. you both. Cheers for now. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks for joining us this week for episode 4 of series 3 of All Brother. The next episode will be released in two weeks. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at All Brother Show where you can find links to our Spotify playlist. Or why not subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher or RSS so you'll be all set for the rest of the series. You can give us a rating on iTunes while you're at it, subscribe on YouTube or just tell your friends if you fancy it too. While you're about it, be sure to check out Danny's wonderful Spurs podcast, View From The Lane. Further reading about the fall mine and Steve's books, The Big Midweek and Have a Bleeding Guest are available from Root Publishers and all good bookstores. Hope to see you all again soon and remember if you're driving, take your car. Ta-da. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.